Welcome to Basic Brewing Radio. I'm James Spencer. This is our first podcast, one of many, we hope. Here at Basic Brewing Radio, we're all about home brewing, making beer at home. In these first episodes, we hope to give you a bit of background in home brewing, and we hope to encourage you to look into the hobby further. In this episode, we talk to longtime home brewer and homebrew store owner Andy Sparks. Andy and his father, Neil, operate the home brewery in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We spent some time with Andy after hours there one Saturday, sipping a beer and getting some insight into the fun and interesting hobby of homebrewing. Well, Andy, welcome. Thank you, or maybe maybe I should thank you for welcoming us into your homebrew store today. Well, you're always welcome here, James. You're well, great. well, thank it's you. Great to have you. As long as I bring my checkbook, right? That's exactly. Right. <laughs> Our favorite customers come with their checkbook. Andy and I have been uh, friends. We go way back to the college days when both of us were in radio. And uh, I stayed in radio and went into TV, and, and Andy wised up and went into computers <laughs> and actually made a living. And uh, we we wound up coming together at um, uh, at Tyson Foods, I guess we can say, and, and uh, worked together there in separate departments for a dozen years. Oh, yeah. before, uh, and you're still there. I certainly am. They're still treating me pretty well, so I can't complain. But on the side, you have the home brewery here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You and your dad run the store. Correct. We've been, uh, we've been here for about 10 years now, and it's just my dad and me, and uh, we enjoy doing this on the side. It's not paying the mortgage, but it's a, it's a nice hobby. It's it's the love of the it's the love of the hobby probably that keeps you in it more exactly. Than How how did you get started? Well, um, a friend of mine gave me a book on home brewing when I was in college. Uh, basically, when I graduated from college, "The Joy of Home Brewing" by Charlie Papazian. Sort of the Bible of uh, the home. Exactly. Um, and I read that book. It took me uh, oh about a year and a half after reading the book to finally uh, go out and buy the equipment, assemble some stuff for a recipe. Uh, I had had the best intentions, uh, but I was, you know, fresh out of college working and barely able to pay my rent, and so uh, it took me a while to get into it. But once I did, I uh, fell in love with the hobby and and obviously took it to its extreme by opening a homebrew shop. <laughs> well, what what is it that you love the most? What keeps you in homebrewing? Well, part of it is all the people that you meet in homebrewing, uh, because uh, the homebrewing hobby attracts people from all different uh, walks of life and uh, economic levels. Um, the other part is that you continue to find out that there's beers and beer styles from around the world that you've never tried or, or even heard of, and uh, it's it's just it's so vast. Uh, like uh, like people that are into wines, there's so many types of wines and. Uh, but beer is is just as vast, and and uh, it's just always always very interesting to to find new things and and meet new people. And and you can make pretty much any beer that you that you can buy in the store. Pretty much. Um, actually, the hardest beers to reproduce are some of the worst beers, as far as a beer connoisseur would be concerned. <laughs> some of the dry styles and some of the lighter beer styles have to use special equipment and so forth. But all the wonderful beer styles of the world um, are very easy to pr- reproduce, um, and with the modern home brewing techniques, uh, you can reproduce pretty much any style in the world. Now, as a homebrew uh, store owner, I bet I bet you hear all the the misconceptions about the hobby. Uh, exactly. What are what are the biggest misconceptions that you run across that people assume once they hear that you're a home brewer or that you own a, a homebrew shop? 
Well, you know, we get a lot of a lot of the uh, old bathtub myth, you know, uh, making it in, in uh, Crocs or bottles blowing up and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, more and more we find that it's uh, really kind of, you know, the modern techniques have taken hold and, and people are starting to really understand that it is possible to be make it safely and uh, do a very good job. Um, the old myths of the old exploding bottles thing is pretty much doesn't happen anymore because of the way we the way we prime which is make the beer fizzy uh we do that uh with a method by adding the sugar into the total volume instead of adding sugar into each bottle which gives you more consistent uh regulation of the sugar across the entire batch um the other thing is that we we now have have good ways to keep things very sanitized and we understand that that is 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 central to all home brewing is uh, and brewing in the professional level as well is keeping things very, very clean. That is the trick to making good quality beer and, and using fresh ingredients. And, and why why is it important to to pay so much attention to sanitation? Well, I mean, the the trick to home brewing is to bring together um, your ingredients: uh, water, malt, the sugar from the barley plant, hops, uh, flour that imparts bitterness and aroma, and yeast, the magic ingredient that turns it all into beer and allowing it to basically you have a controlled in a way a, a controlled spoilage the yeast consumes the sugar uh, and turns it into carbon dioxide and alcohol but there's lots of other bugs in the world that like to eat sugar and as well and they're all around us all the time and uh, if you don't keep your stuff very clean uh, that other stuff will get in there and start to work the sugar in the beer and you'll in, in, in introduce uh, bad flavors, um, things that you don't want, mold and bacteria. Um, the yeast, what you want is to have only the yeast uh, working the beer. Now, wait, when you say bacteria, you know, that, that kind of could scare some people, I would assume. If they, they may be scared of saying, well, I don't want to get into that because knowing me, I won't pay enough attention to sanitation and I'll uh, get an infection is what it's called. Uh, an infection of some bacteria in there, and I'll make myself sick or my friends sick. Well, I could understand why people would think that, but the truth is, by the time the beer has fermented completely out, uh, the alcohol in it will basically kill anything in it. So uh, beer, even if it doesn't taste good or is slightly spoiled because bacteria gets in it or wild yeast or whatever, it won't, it won't hurt you. Uh, it may not taste good. I tell people if you don't like the way it smells or tastes, don't drink it. Uh, but but technically, it can't. Nothing can live in beer that can harm humans. So so the worst that they can get is a nasty taste in beer. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty bad if you've spent you know some time on it. Uh, exactly. But, That's but the I worst guess, problem. I guess the thing is that that good sanitation is not that hard. It isn't. It isn't. You just want to follow some simple procedures. Make sure everything's washed thoroughly, soap and water, rinse thoroughly so there's no soap residue, and then use a sanitizer. There's several on the market um, to to sanitize your equipment. Sanitizing doesn't mean sterilization. You don't have to put your stuff in an autoclave. Uh, you just want to make sure that it's thoroughly cleaned and sanitized with a sanitizer. Uh, and then you can proceed. It's, there, it is impossible to keep everything out of your beer. Um, so... What we want to do is make the yeast the dominant uh, thing that's consuming the sugar in the beer, uh, kind of like sending the Red Army in. They, they take over the whole thing and run everybody else out. And so even if something else got in there, 
they they don't stand a chance because there's just so many uh, yeast cells working in there and taking up and they're growing and reproducing themselves faster than something else can because you throw billions of cells of yeast into a, a batch of beer to ferment it with so so it's it's giving your yeast a good head start exactly exactly what what are the I've got in my head the top three questions that people ask me the top three common questions about home brewing and let's see if they match up with yours what are, what's your top three of people oh you're a home brewer here's the question uh, can I make beer ch- more cheaply than I can make it at the store that's one of that's the one that's one okay um, the other one is how hard is it to do is it very difficult um, that's see. that's similar to another one. okay and uh, let's see the last one is how much is it going to cost to get me into the hobby ah well so. since you're a store owner they, they would probably ask you more my, my top three are uh, can what was your, what was the five I've already forgotten the first one <laughs> but the the the, the, uh, the second one was is it legal oh yeah that that and, comes up a lot too you know and how much how much does it cost mm-hmm and how long does it take? Right. Those right. are the those are the questions. So let's let's pick some of those. Pick, okay. pick one of those uh, five okay. or six well, questions. Okay. Well, let's start with the legal question. Let's knock that out. It is legal. Um, uh, Jimmy Carter signed a law uh, now several years ago that basically made it legal nationwide uh, to brew beer in your home uh, for personal consumption and the consumption by your friends. Uh, the big deal is they don't want you selling it and getting around paying taxes on it. They really don't aren't too concerned about you just making beer. They're concerned about not getting their taxes so much. <laughs> it's the each, pocket Yeah, issue. each state, though, has the ability to regulate alcohol as well. And so s- most states, almost all of them now, I think, uh, have basically made the national law uh, codified it as a state law as well. So I know here in our state, Arkansas, it is now legal to uh, brew the same amounts as it is to brew nationally, which is uh, 100 gallons per adult in the house. So, and 100 gallons is a lot of beer to brew. So. And I think I think it's what a 200 gallon per household limit. There's a 200 gallon limit, but my guess is if you brewed 215 gallons, the feds won't show up on your doorstep. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you would have to be brewing pretty pretty regularly to get 200 gallons. Yeah, well, I, I figured the other day that uh, you know if you brew a five-gallon batch of beer, which is the typical exactly. batch, uh, you know you'd have to brew 40 times in which a is year, almost every weekend. That's a lot. And I know some brewers that that brew almost every weekend, so they can close in on the limit. But uh, again, nobody's really watching it. Nobody really cares. They just you know, it's just the rule. They had to set it a threshold, and that's what they set it at. There's no sheriff's helicopters. And we certainly Wait, won't uh, call the cops if I, <laughs> if I calculate that you... It looks like he's going to brew more than 200 gallons this year. <laughs> call the cops! No, we don't do that. So uh, how long does it take? That's. I mean, we don't want to... In, in this segment, uh, I don't want to get too much into the details. Maybe they, we'll save that for the next segment. Okay. But, but how, in generalities, how long does it take to brew okay. a batch of beer? In general, um, to brew a basic batch of beer, we'll, we're talking uh, brewing extract batch of beer, which is uh, the simplest, easiest way to get into the hobby. Uh, it takes oh a few hours to do the, the, the initial process of boiling up the malt, uh, adding the different ingredients, um, cooling it down, and, and putting the yeast in. It'll then ferment for actively for about a week, and after that it'll take about three uh, weeks for the yeast to settle out um, after the beer goes still. 
Um, then you will add a little bit more sugar um, and put it in the bottles. It takes another maybe two to three weeks for it to become carbonated in the bottles. Chill it and drink it. And uh, then, so you're looking at six six to eight weeks. Uh, but typically the beer is is best about the time you run start to run out. Uh, so <laughs> at the end of your six weeks, you'll try one. You you won't be able to stand it, and you'll 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 get one and put it in the fridge, and you'll try it, and you'll say, well, it's pretty good. It maybe is not quite as fizzy as I like. And then you know a couple weeks goes by, and you try another one, and you're thinking, wow, that one's really getting good. And pretty soon you've drank your entire batch, and you're saying, wow, now it's really really good. <laughs> so. Uh, Typically, I say six to eight weeks is how long it takes from start to finish. That, that's probably the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes that I made when I first got into brewing was that, you know, the book says you can start drinking it two weeks after you bottle it. Well, you can. You certainly can. But, you know, the yeast is a living organism, and depending on the temperature and the conditions, it's going to take a little while to, to bottle condition that beer. And, you know, I think we drank the beer in a very short time after that two weeks and I set aside a six pack in the closet and uh, just for its archiving and checked it you know a month or so later and it was like holy cow this beer is now more clear it's more carbonated it's you know much crisper cleaner tasting beer and uh, so I encourage people uh, when they're brewing to try to try their best to hold off for a couple months after they bottle uh, because unlike commercial beers, which are filtered, they filter the yeast out. And so, exactly. you know, m having a freshness date on a commercial beer uh, makes sense. But for a homebrewed beer, staying in the bottle for a little while in your cellar or in a, in a, in a nice, cool, dark place uh, is beneficial. Exactly. You want the flavors to kind of marry together and, and have the yeast completely settle out. Uh, one of the issues with with homebrew is that there is a little bit of yeast uh, in naturally carbonated beer and that's the way we do it is we add a little sugar as I said to the beer in the bottle and, and it, it ferments again creates a little bit of yeast on the bottom of the bottle and you want that yeast to settle completely out and, and to actually kind of let itself kind of pack onto the bottom of the bottle so that when you decant it pour it into your glass uh, you don't get a, a, a bunch of yeast in the glass because while yeast won't hurt you, it, it has a little bit of flavor, and that's not the flavor we want in the beer. Although some beer styles call for a yeast character in them, some of the Belgian beers do. Um, most of the time you want it to be clear and uh, free of yeast, and the best way to do that is to simply let them sit in the bottle and uh, for a couple weeks, three or four weeks, and uh, and let, let them completely settle out. And like I said also, is the, the flavors kind of mingle together, and over time... They, their character changes slightly, and uh, so you get a, a, a better, more balanced beer after it's after it's sat in the bottle for a few weeks. And and to me, part of the uh, the pleasure of, of home brewing is that surprise of of coming up with something you you do your best to to you know produce predictable results. But sometimes you get a little surprise. You know, you get a beer that tastes a little bit different from what you anticipated for various reasons. Or you get a beer that matures over time, and it's the discovery of that taste that, you know, nobody else has tasted, essentially. Exactly. And the beer... It's, it's your beer. The beer kind of comes into its own eventually. It'll kind of, you know, become... And there is a point, obviously, at which the beer, you know, it, it peaks, just mm -hmm. like a good wine. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way to know that is to 
keep drinking them. <laughs> so. Well, listen, Andy, we've uh, about run out of time for this segment, and uh, if you if you have time, I'd like for you to stick around, and, and we'll record another segment for, sure. uh, for the next to, time. Sure, I'd love to, James. Thanks, Andy. Thank, thank you. You can visit Andy's store online at thehomebrewery.com. That's thehomebrewery.com. There you can see what the home brewery has to offer in the way of equipment and ingredients. And if you want to learn how to brew beer in your own home, you can visit basicbrewing.com and check out our DVD video, Introduction to Extract Home Brewing, where we walk you through the fun and easy process of making your very own beer. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments or questions to james at basicbrewing.com or fill out the contact form at basicbrewing.com. Let us know what you'd like to hear in future episodes. Thanks for listening. I'm James Spencer. Production help for Basic Brewing Radio and our website is provided by Kelly Dodson. We'll talk to you next time. So long.